I'm glad you came back, Sally. Let's sit here in the pumpkin patch and you'll see the great pumpkin with your own eyes. If you try to hold my hand, I'll slug you. Each year, the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch that he thinks is the most sincere. He's got to pick this one. He's got to. I don't see how a pumpkin patch could be more sincere than this one. You can look all around and there's not a sign of hypocrisy. Nothing but sincerity as far as the eye can see. Ah, how cute. Yeah, it's very sweet. I actually haven't watched, I've only ever read Charlie Brown. But the comics. Yeah. The funny section. I grew up with it. I think that it's a, like a very American, very quintessentially American. Yeah, I think it is. And like, you know, the Halloween and there's Thanksgiving and then Christmas, the three original ones. Um, there have been later like additions. There's also an Easter one. Um, that I think so. These were made in the '60s, if I recall, and then the Hello or the Easter one, I think, is like the early '70s. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and then there are others that are made, you know, later '70s and the '80s. That the voices are different because you know the kids grow up and they just sound wrong. Yeah, it's- I can understand. For those for those listening, Megan did like air quotes. <laughs> yeah, air, wrong in air quotes because. <laughs> Yeah, and I think also, like, my dad grew up watching these, and he was the one that, you know, each year we watched them together. So I have that nostalgic, familial relationship. But Charlie Brown in America is definitely something, at least on, like, public television, that's shown, you know, numerous times, like, in day of, just kind of like how um, something like Hocus Pocus or, I don't know, like, the Harry Potters are always usually shown um, Mm -hmm. on... That's not ABC Family now. It's something else. But like during the holidays, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I don't know what the U- if there's like a UK equivalent. I don't know either. Or is there anything in Italy that's like shown each year? It doesn't have to be, you know, of course, Halloween. It could be. We've got a com- I don't remember the, the, the year mm-hmm. that it was made in, but um, there's a comic called Mafalda. Mm-hmm. And she's like this little bundle of joy, but also really sassy and really pissed off. Mm. <laughs> and um, that seems to be shown around the 6th of January when we have the Bifana. Okay. And that is, I don't know, it's a Christian thing, obviously, but I can't remember which one it is. It seems like it would be part of the 12 days of Christmas, that kind of cycle. Yeah. So it's it's basically right after. So you know how in Belgium they have Saint Nicholas and in Germany as well. So that's the twelfth of December. Mm-hmm. And then there's Christmas, mm-hmm. and then the Befana is on Ep- Epiphany Eve, and that's meant okay. to be representative of a witch who comes and brings toys and sweets or coal if you behave mm-hmm. badly. And so she's often like this little lady with no teeth and things like that, and Obviously, it's very popular among the children because it's another way to keep Christmas going. <laughs> right. Well, when you said Epiphany, that made me think of um, La Fête des Rois. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is actually and, on the same day. Yeah, I was going to say that's the same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
So that's that's the Feast of Kings for those of you who don't. Yeah, like, and then they t- usually <laughs> have like a, a pie, and in it they put a some sort of toy in it. Yeah, like a little so, baby. Yeah, and so everyone has that a slice of cake. But then if you have the little toy in it, that mm-hmm. means you're the king. Right. Yeah, it's the galette de roi. And it's yeah. the same, I think traditionally, isn't it the same kind of ring cake that you have at Mardi Gras? Um, I don't know that, but possibly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it were the same. And I think during Mardi Gras, it's the same where you have either like a bean or a toy or something that's hidden inside. Yeah, and then if you get it, you're the king or, or queen. Oh, we're getting into that time of year. (laughs) Yeah. So before we dive in to Halloween and the holidays that surround that, let's introduce ourselves for oh yeah people's first you know episode, and they just don't. We've forgotten about we are. I mean, for, for, for those of you who have just started listening to us, just consider this podcast as two friends who chat every week about something yeah. <laughs> um, in a way or another that's related in some way to the medieval with a modern twist. <laughs> yes, hence the, hence the name, modern medieval. Yeah. That wasn't explanatory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my name is Elo, um, also known as Eleonora, um, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm Megan, and welcome to Modern Medieval, the yeah. podcast. So before we dive in, I actually want to I actually would like Megan to tell mm-hmm. our listeners what cool things she did on Halloween because I think it's really cool. <laughs> okay, so being American, Halloween is a big deal. It is the kind of like catalyst for the holiday season. So you have like Labor Day in September and perhaps like Columbus Day or whatever, you know, and then it's Halloween at the end of October. Mm -hmm. You have Thanksgiving at the end of November Mm -hmm. Then you have Christmas. And so it's kind of like bam, bam, bam. Whereas, you know, in the UK, you don't have Thanksgiving. So it's this weird. So yeah, Halloween for me is like a big deal, I guess. When I've been like chatting with friends that are from like New Zealand and elsewhere, they're like, Oh, it's Halloween. That's yeah. a day. <laughs> like, no, we must celebrate. So, you know, as a child, trick-or-treating, all that fun jazz. And starting a few years ago, I started this, like, personal tradition because I'm not a big – like, Halloween parties are fun, but I'm just not a big party person where I uh, will order in Chinese food and just watch horror films or, you know, Halloween-related films. So – this year, I'm, you know, I just am newly moved to Manchester. The weather has been dreary and wet. And lockdown. Gray. Lockdown and too on the way as well. Yeah. So I actually ordered uh, Chinese food on Friday. So hello, hello's Eve Eve. Eve squared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just had a mellow day. It's basically my PJs all day. I went, I did go to the store briefly to buy brownie mix. I made boozy Bailey's brownies. That was exciting, I guess. And I watched Hocus Pocus, 1993 Disney classic, which I hadn't watched in quite a few years. It's so good. It's so good. It's such a, such a lovely film. I love it so much. Always Maybe cry at the done end. That. <laughs> I always cry at the end. Always have. Even if I'm not really paying attention, like yesterday I was a bit distracted watching it because I've seen it so many times. Still gets me. Binks still gets me. Uh, 
but watched that. And then I watched Blair Witch Trial for the very first time, Blair Witch Project, excuse me, for the very first time in my life. Oh, how was that? How'd you find that? Um, I'm not good with like suspense or um, that kind of style, like the found footage. I know that it's fake, but it still just atmospherically gets me. And the Blair Witch Project is like infamous for being terrifying. Yeah. I was on edge just clicking play. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was good. I definitely had my hands covering my, my face at points, usually the scenes at night. Cause you know, nighttime's scary time. So it was very atmospheric. It was good. I would definitely watch it again now that I know what to expect and yeah. I think immerse myself more. So no, I'm glad that I did it. And then I, uh, video chatted my good friend Marinka who lives in Utrecht in the Netherlands. So, you know, ways away. And we'd read each other's tarot cards. And then we live watched um, Nightmare Before Christmas together, which is really wow. So you got you are Halloween goes. <laughs> I didn't dress up, but I did dress up last weekend. Yeah, that was my Halloween. That was the way I celebrated this year, which is very different than the historical origins of yeah, Halloween. Yeah, that's a good way to go into it. Let's start then. Yeah. So. We started off this episode with Charlie Brown, as we said, um, and we chose that particular little clip because it's cute. I mean, Linus and Sally in the pumpkin patch, but also because the kind of one of the arcs of that episode, for those of you who haven't seen it, is that Linus believes in the great pumpkin. And he doesn't really believe in Santa Claus and all that. And everyone's giving him a hard time because they're like, the great pumpkin doesn't exist. You're being silly. And it's just this idea of like having a different belief in something and, you know, the sincerity of the pumpkin patch and the great pumpkin comes based off the most sincere. So that's how he spends his Halloween, which is different than all the kids trick or treating and running around at the party and bobbing for apples. And so that's a great way for us to think about Halloween and its origins and the way that different forms of death are celebrated throughout the world and how Halloween is intimately related to All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Yeah. which have manifestations in Dia de los Muertos, um, Jada, Italy has its own kind of souls. Mm-hmm. So I think the best way for us to go is start with Halloween and then kind of leapfrog into yeah. the Sounds subsequent good. days. So Halloween is actually an abbreviation for All Hallows Evening. Mm. So that's why I always wondered for so long why sometimes Halloween was like, uh, the two E's had it a like an apostrophe between them. That's because that's like the abbreviation for Ween, which is like etymologically related to all the saints evening because mm. November 1st is All Saints Day. So this is that's actually the day we're recording today. So happy All Saints Yay. Day. So I just thought that was, it finally made sense to me. So it was All Hallows Eve initially. Mm-hmm. And then over time, the word got compressed because the word for even Scots is even. So it would be contracted to E apostrophe E-N or E-N. And then it eventually just got smushed together. And I, I don't know, I like word play history, things like yeah. that. Just kind of, I think one of those interesting examples of, and we've kind of talked about this before, but latent religious beliefs, you know, whether Christian or pagan or whatnot, um, as part of the everyday lexicon. Like yeah. We use it every day. Like when you were presenting Elo on Sicily and the patron saints and 
how that's just kind of something that is present, even if you don't necessarily practice that faith. It's just like it's there. It's just, and then if you look at the roots, you're like, oh, I didn't know that that was related to this. I guess it's the same in like America or equivalent or parallel. I don't know. They're not the same, but how like states' names, like Massachusetts is actually an indigenous word. That's why Minnesota, Minneapolis, and they become Americanized over time, but their origins are not. So Halloween or All Hallows Day is the beginning of All Hallow Tide, which is the time the liturgical year dedicated to remembering the dead. And this means saints or hallows. That's where the hallow comes from, like hallowed ground Mm -hmm. at a graveyard. Uh, martyrs and all the faithful departed. So Hallowtide's actually related to the Christmas season. So when we were talking about Epiphany, this is all kind of the part of the year that that's conjoined into. And I think it can extend to Easter as -hmm. well, because then you have Lent in that, and that's, you know, a faithful time, Pentecost. And so the way that we think of Halloween now is, you know, jack-o'-lanterns and ghouls and ghosts and the way that we envision at least in the western world you know the very kind of capitalized disnified etc is generally believed to be most influenced by the celtic harvest festivals and gaelic festivals Samhain or Samhain which is spelled you would think it would be pronounced Samhain or Samhain because it's s-a-m-h-a-i-n but because it's Celtic or Gaelic, it's pronounced Samhain. Yeah. Uh, it's always funny. I mean, I guess ironic considering I can't pronounce German words, you know, and I yeah. try to pronounce them phonetically. And I guarantee you all there's going to be some words here today that I am going to butcher. And I preemptively apologize very sincerely. Um, well, it's all right. I do it all the time. <laughs> but Samhain is... It's because it's related to the lunar calendar. It's anywhere in between the equinoxes of um, autumn and winter, I believe. But it's the end of the harvest season. So in Scotland, when I lived there, they have the Beltane Fire Festival. Beltane is one of their four seasonal holidays. But um, on top of Kelton Hill, they have a whole performance and bonfire. It's really beautiful and cool. And you can go and watch it. Mm. and you know it's like a big event and it's yep. attaining of history which is really nice but a lot of the activities like you know bonfires lanterns bobbing for apples the divination spooky mystical parts are all kind of related to most notably the gaelic traditions mm-hmm. that's fun but then of course you know when the romans come they're like we don't like this you are pagans we must cleanse you and put you into the proper faith or however, you know, they phrased it because people suck. They do. do. Eventually Halloween or Samhain is aligned with some Roman holidays. Um, I don't know if you have any input, Elo, on like Halloween and Samhain. Uh, I actually am very unknowledgeable about it. So I like (laughs) learning. (laughs) Cool. So, and then one, you know, of the icons of Halloween is the jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. And so traditionally, the jack-o'-lantern was a turnip or some other kind of root plant carved, like the bulb, and hollowed out like you do a pumpkin, 
and then placed with a candle inside and like the grotesque face on it. The pumpkin was an American addition because they're indigenous to America, the Americas, and they're larger and easier to scoop out. The jack-o'-lanterns are traditionally carried by geysers. That's the original term for those who dressed up on All Hallows' Eve in order to frighten evil spirits because All Hallows' Eve in the pagan or traditions is considered a liminal time where the veil between the living and the dead is at its minimum. Mm -hmm. So the Christian and Catholic traditions believe that those who are in purgatory throughout the year are able to revisit their homes before All Saints Day either ascend or descend into their designated spaces. But with the jack-o'-lantern, there's a popular Irish Christian folktale associated. And it's said, so the folklore is said to represent a, quote, soul that has been denied entry into both heaven and hell. Yeah. And so the folktale, it's short, it goes as this. En route home after a night's drinking, Jack encounters the devil and tricks him into climbing a tree. A quick-thinking Jack etches the sign of the cross into the bark, thus trapping the devil. Jack strikes a bargain that Satan can never claim his soul. After a life of sin, drink, and mendacity, Jack is refused entry to heaven when he dies. Mm -hmm. Keeping his promise, the devil refuses to let Jack into hell and throws a live coal straight from the fires of hell at Jack. It was a cold night. So Jack places the coal in a hollowed-out turnip to stop it from going out, since which time Jack and his lantern have been roaming looking for a place to rest. So I just, I really like that because it's kind of spooky. And just You're all about the spooky, aren't you? I, I love it. I just, I think that it's so, it's like poetic in a way, I guess. Yeah. It's That's kind of cool. Funny if you like came to my house, I don't think a lot of people would anticipate the spookiness because I do have some bright colors. It's not an explosion, but like the images on my wall, it's some like, you know, nice artsy photos or whatever. And then there's like an image or a poster of a 19 teens image of Totenaz, which is the dance of death. And it's like a, a skeleton holding a beautiful dam or Things like that. So it's yeah. like, oh, that's not dark. what you expected. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, over time, you know, from this holiday where people would end the celebrate the end of the harvest or present, you know, offerings for the dead, the Aushi, which is again um, Celtic, are like the fairies and the evil spirits, that that's why people would dress up to either placate these spirits or to confuse them so that they don't follow these people home or know who they are. So that's where like the tradition of dressing up, at least in the, you know, Celtic Isles originates. And then throughout time, works of Gothic and horror literature, you know, so Frankenstein and Dracula Mm -hmm. enter in in the 19th and 20th century. We talked about last week, the skull, which is a memento mori, as well as like vanitas compositions. So they associate with Halloween because it's, it's about death. What better image yeah, of death? Better, better yeah. skeleton. And then the idea of pranks on Halloween or tricking and treating mm-hmm. comes from there's Welsh traditions where people dress up as white horses and knock on doors 
And if you don't let them in or give them something to eat or drink, then they will bring bad fortune to you. And that's the trick. Yeah. So interesting. Let's transition into other kind of like practices and relations of Halloween. I don't know, Elo, did you ever read The Halloween Tree by Ray Bradbury? I didn't. No. I'm uh, sorry, we don't have any references. <laughs> okay. It's kind of an obscure Ray Bradbury um, story, but I was just curious. So I read this for the first time in sixth grade in my English class for the Halloween season. And then I taught it when I taught a few years ago to my middle schooler. Aww. And it's a really lovely story. It's not super long. I feel like it's kind of akin to if you read Charles Dickens, you know, Christmas Carol in the holiday season. I feel like this is really good for Halloween season Mm. because though it's written, you know, I read it when I was, what, 11 or 12, we can still appreciate it. But the reason why I bring it up is because in a nutshell, really briefly, the story is, you know, it's Halloween night and there are seven boys and they're going to go trick-or-treating and they're kind of ringleader Pipkin doesn't show up. And so they go to his house and they're like, Hey, come on, come on. And he's like, I don't feel well. I'll meet you guys at this, you know, particular house. And so they're like, okay, okay. So they go and this house is really spooky and dark. And there's a weird tree that has like pumpkins in it. And anyway, so they see Pipkin, but he's very kind of ethereal. And then he right. disappears. He gets taken away. This person appears whose name is Mr. Mound Shroud. And he's a very like mystical creature, very Jack Skellington-esque, very mm. tall and thin. And he kind of takes them on this lesson, mission, adventure in search of Pipkin throughout different traditions of death in the world. So they start off and they go to ancient Egypt and they learn about mummies and they're in the Valley of Kings and they learn about Osiris, the son of earth and sky, who was killed each night by his brother darkness. And so how each day is a cycle of light and dark, of life and death. And some of the traditions in ancient Egypt in regard to this and the Egyptians putting out food for the dead. You know, so this is 4,000, 5,000 years. So they learn about this. And then, you know, they magically on their giant kite go to Greece to the festival of the pots, which is, all right, here comes the first word that I cannot pronounce. Right. So patience is um, anthesteria. And it was one of the four Athenian festivals in honor of the god Dionysus. And it was held each year from the 11th to the 13th of the month of anthesterion, around the time of January or the February full moon. And the three days of the feast were called Pithoigia, Coes and Keith Troy. And it was celebrated at the beginning of spring, particularly the maturing of the wine stored at the previous vintage, whose pithoi were now ceremoniously opened. And during the feast, social order was interrupted or inverted, and slaves were allowed to participate, uniting the household in ancient fashion. And the anthesteria had aspects of the festival of the dead. Either the carries or the Carians were entertained, freely roaming the city until they were expelled out after the festival. There's a Greek proverb related to this. For those who pestered for continued favors, they, quote, ran out of doors, Charis. It is no longer anthesteria. And so these houses would put, I think it was like bowls of milk or something, out in front of the house and paint black pitch 
over Mm. their door so they wouldn't be bothered by these spirits. Yeah. So even though it's at a different time of year, it's this, you know, time in the calendar of change. Yeah. It's really interesting as well, because as well, like in Italy, for example, the the traditional celebration for which people still get holidays is the it's on it's actually tomorrow and it's the mm-hmm. day of the dead and um so it was quickly obviously it's a national holiday so everyone takes those takes those days off and it's you know the little break before christmas as it's known nowadays mm-hmm. but actually a lot of the traditions obviously it's kind of like the same thing as the, the el dia de los muertos and that kind of thing but mm-hmm. traditionally the the interesting thing is that like the kind of not surprisingly in Italy that uh, a country that's so you know focused on food the mm-hmm. tradition would revolve around food and so a lot of the things that they would do depending region to region they would have like little things for the dead in Lombardy they'll have water uh to you know if the dead come and visit they can drink that water on that day mm-hmm. uh in Trentino which is in the north or in Piemont or in Val d'Aosta they would have like the table set for them so they could come and eat in Liguria, they would have two traditional um, autumnal foods, so like cookies and vegetables ready for them. In Umbria, they would have sweets prepared for them, and so goes the tradition. So it's interesting that like that kind of little gesture would become, mm-hmm. you know, a symbolism symbolism for the dead, kind of like how you would maybe gift stuff to to santa claus for when he arrives and actually your parents end up beating that kind of thing yeah the sense of offering yeah and it's such a benign sense of offering as well because you know you'll yeah. think of, like sacrifice or something and it, it's the same not only with like something like Samhain, but other tra- yeah like traditions like in poland for example they also celebrate all saints and all souls day and do offerings of like bread as well so or the crop so quick question you said that all souls day in italy is like a national holiday it's a day that you have off yeah oh that's so interesting because so i have some information about poland and they're all saints and all souls day and all saints day is like an actual holiday and that's today so november 1st yeah it is for those who have been martyred and sanctified etc so it's kind of like a bigger church deal day yeah Whereas All Souls Day is for the faithfully departed, as we mentioned earlier. And so in Poland, this is known as Zaduszki, which is their Polish name for All Souls Day. So it's 2nd of November. And it originates from the term Dzień Zaduszny, which can roughly be translated in English as the Day of the Prayers for Souls. But another way that this day is commemorated loosely it's more regional than like country by country is at Jada due to the po- their national poet or bard Adam Miskiewicz who wrote the epic poem Jada it's about death and life and it's Jada translates as forefathers eve oh, okay. and so the um, summoning of souls that are, are dead and the story it takes place in an abandoned chapel at the cemetery and they talk about death and purgatory but there's also the sense of offering and like mm-hmm. family members coming and leaving places open and so it's quite it's quite beautiful like if you go to poland and you walk through the graveyards on all saints and all souls day I mean, the cemeteries are just alight with candles and 
these really beautiful colored glass lanterns. And it's just, it's a sight to behold. I don't know if in Italy, there must have been some sort of like, I was reading. And so in the south of Italy, there are like people who go and all the families go and say, pay their respects to their dead. So it's very interesting. It's a, in a society where we've avoided death for so long, especially right. recently, um, it's eerie how like that kind of tradition existed mm-hmm. and how actually it's quite a positive holiday. Like with the children, there's quite a few things that are done kind of like Halloween, right? Like mm-hmm. where they're reminded to, to, to think about the dead and the, 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 the you know, deceased grandmother or aunt or mother, if you're really unlucky, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And it's really interesting that actually, like, that was a very big part of the culture. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, thinking of Day of the Dead and the positivity in the children, my mind immediately goes to Dia de los Huertos. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexico yeah. and South America, which I feel has been kind of, it's actually literally been disney because of the film Coco. Which yeah, is actually I haven't a, watched it. Have you? No, but I've heard people talk about it. Okay. And apparently, it's like very beautifully done. But you know, right. the sugar candy skulls, and all, it's so colorful and beautiful. But it's it's more akin. It feels to a festival. Yeah. Or you know, an actual um, kind of like gregarious celebration, if you will, yeah. uh, rather than I feel at least from my experience in like Poland, All Souls Day and All Saints Day is very uh, somber. It's very, yeah, yeah. it's not stiff or negative, but it's just, it's much more like ritual and recollection rather than, even though it's a celebration, it's not like celebrate, if that makes sense. Oh. <laughs> but Dia de los Muertos originally was on All Saints Day in Mexico. So it was the first, mm-hmm. but then trying to separate you know, the they didn't want this quote-unquote pagan holiday to be associated on a day that is meant for, you know, the church. So yeah. they made the quote-unquote official day, November 2nd, as the holiday. Yeah. And now it's the, the public holiday. And it's interesting because I didn't mention, so um, Jada in Poland, November 2nd, All Souls Day, is not a public holiday. Is it not? No. Oh. So, like, this year, because... Uh, All Saints Day is on a Sunday. Things are just kind of closed anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, so tomorrow is just like a normal day, theoretically, you know? In a, in a year that's absolutely not normal. <laughs> right. But I guess I just find it interesting because Poland, you know, is notoriously so... Catholic. Very Catholic. I mean, we yeah. just had the whole... Uh, Abortion thing, yeah. Yeah, which is just... Um, so upsetting. It just makes me, yeah, yeah it it's just, just so ugh. sad. I, I, I don't think I really want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, so it's like, it's, I just find that quite interesting that it's not, but then something like Italy it is and Mexico yeah. it is, which are also other, you know, church-associated countries. But, yeah, just kind of just like, huh. Yeah, it's true. It's really interesting because, like, also, like, living in or coming from a Catholic country, mm-hmm. it's obviously not particularly Catholic anymore but Mm -hmm. it bears all of the traditions and all of the sometimes conservative mindsets in regards to certain things that you just don't really think about like you don't really associate with like that part of society and then 
you speak to anyone else and you're like, oh, that's not a national holiday or like, oh, that's not how it's done there. Oh, this doesn't exist. Oh, this right. expression, you know, and it's like you're reminded all over again of what it was. Yeah, no, exactly. And I guess when I was dryly rambling on about, you know, Halloween and Samhain and I guess that was also kind of like when I was bringing up the Halloween tree, what I was failing to get at. But yeah, it's like why we celebrate these things. It becomes so distant from its origins, which isn't a bad thing. But when you return to the root, you kind of go, oh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I think it's always a fun unveiling or revelation, if you will, you know. And there's numerous other kind of versions of this that we take for granted. And like, if you were to go to celebrate Halloween in America, there's like no trace of those original roots. Like, it's all spooky haunted houses in regard and like gore and blood and horror and like frightening the children, which is truly fun. Yeah, but it's lost its. Right. Or things, you know, like bobbing for apples, which is actually related to like the historic kind of roots and everything rather than just like a random fun game that you use with fruit that floats. You know, like there's a symbolism there and there's a reason there and it's part of the harvest and it's, yeah, it's always so, it's so fun. And yeah, even though this isn't like super medieval, because in the Middle Ages, actually, in the research I did, Halloween wasn't really a thing. No. But um, it is in theme with our death right. <laughs> episodes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So the most, quote-unquote, medieval you know, um, stuff that I could find, brief little, like I guess, history lesson, is so in 609, so this is like uh, Roman antiquity, I guess, kind of ended that into early medieval Pope Boniface IV uh, dedicates or rededicates the Pantheon in Rome to St. Mary and all the martyrs on the 13th of May. Yeah. This was the same date as Lemuria, an ancient Roman festival of the dead, and the Mm. same date as the commemoration of all saints in Edessa and the time of Ephraim. This is, sorry, that's just a history thing. I don't. That is fine. Google Edessa and Ephraim. (laughs) So the Feast of All Hallows, so Halloween. Uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, that's All Saints Day. So the Feast of All Hallows on its current date in the Western Church could be traced to Pope Gregory III's founding of an oratory in St. Peter's for the relics of, quote, the holy apostles and of all saints, martyrs, and confessors. And Pope Gregory III lived, uh, or he was Pope around 731 to 741. So this is kind of early, mid-8th century. Then, in 835, All Hallows' Day was officially switched to the 1st of November, the same day as Samhain, at the behest of Pope Gregory IV. You might think, oh, well, Samhain is the 31st, though, but the Celtic tradition of, like, how they calculated days was sunset to sunset rather than sunrise to sunrise. So the first started on the evening of the 31st, so that makes sense. And then aside from that, I mean, there was not necessarily like a Halloween celebration in the Middle Ages because the church was much more about having, you know, the Vesper celebration for the Day of All Hallows on the 1st. So when you kind of think of, ah, the 
Middle Ages was just the church and the church being a dominant case. It seems like in a broad stroke, that was true in regard to Halloween, but then you had regional celebrations, you Mm -hmm. know, as we've been alluding to and their own kind of manifestations and interpretations of that. I I find it kind of interesting you, because when we think about like the humor in the Middle Ages, you would think, oh, they'd be all for... I don't know, dressing up and having like a morality play or something on Halloween. But based on what I could see, it really didn't didn't happen. Hey, that might be a new article search for you. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I didn't dive the deepest. So if you are listening and you are a medievalist or historian or know something contrary to that. Yeah, and also like just on that little note, I was just thinking about this as we started recording. I think, you know, if you have like opinions that di- differ from ours, mm-hmm. please come on the show because to us, it's incredible that people listen to this and have opinions and want to have a debate with us. So yeah, you know, come and come and be a contrarian or come and tell us off, come and do your thing. <laughs> We'd really love it. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. We're all for it in like learning and yeah. growing as individuals. And as a community, I guess, as a medieval yeah. community. But yeah, like I found it quite interesting that Halloween, it kind of was like a dark age, if you will, of yeah. in the Middle Ages. It's not until well, like the 15th century that it kind of I suppose that emerges. has to do with medicine, don't you think? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even think of that, perhaps. Because if you think about it, like when death is so omnipresent, you don't really need a day to celebrate the dead because it's just there, right? Whereas maybe come 15th, 16th century, then they discover certain new things. Maybe the plague wasn't so omnipresent anymore. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, the plague kind of resurfaced numerously. And I was actually thinking about this when we finished recording last week. You know, we were talking about why death is so present in the Middle Ages. And we focused a lot on like disease and death and totally neglected talking about wars and the crusades and battles. Because that happened a lot, and there was a lot of military conflict. Yeah. And I think that that kind of ebbed a bit in the middle, or not the Middle Ages, the end of the Middle Ages into the kind of like Renaissance era. So I think it's in conjunction to scientific, you know, quote-unquote discovery, as well as different ways of negotiating conflict. What's also interesting, isn't it? Because, like, for example, we're seeing on a really small scale what it's like when something more powerful or mm-hmm. takes a precedent on everyone's life. So, for example, at the moment with COVID, everyone's very worried about Christmas, which is very dumb because obviously you'd rather your family members were alive than dead. Um, and so, if you have to postpone celebrations, then that's okay. But yeah. we have lived in a very privileged situation where, like, you know, every year there's a structure to the year. Mm -hmm. And in the Middle Ages, with the different kind of plagues and wars and all that, any one of those things disrupts the continuity of, like, the the regulated life that you would lead. Yeah, I find the, like, what about Christmas? So ridiculous. Yeah, like, come on. You know, of course I'll miss... Like, I love the holiday markets that happen in yeah. Europe. Those are so nice. Like, that's sad. But... I, yeah. I'm more worried for the businesses. Like, I feel yeah. like that's the thing that I find a bit sad. Like, okay, well, 
you know, less money, less people can buy things. That means that the little businesses can't make do. For the rest, I mean, you know, we also forget that like Christmas is quite an, an exclusive holiday. Like if you're not in the so-called like family setting or whatever, then like it's an extremely depressing holiday where you remember how like your situation is so specific and so not the norm. I feel personally fortunate in a really warped way with that because you know since I'm alone in Manchester that like last year I mean I celebrated Christmas with our friend Paula because we both couldn't go home but it's like if I'm alone this year it's not the end of the world because I've been solitary whereas it would suck if I guess I had just moved to the UK and was used to having the holidays with my family and being around friends and then being completely cut off but I don't know. There's video chat. There's other ways to be grateful for being connected to individuals in your life. And I mean, that's what the holidays are supposed to be about, right? Like being thankful and communal celebration rather than like presents and drinking. And, you know, it's like there's other ways to celebrate that aren't as... Yeah, I I think in a similar vein, like since my parents separated Christmas I mean Christmas before was a huge hula do with like tons of family and all that but since then mm-hmm. Christmas itself has changed and the way that you celebrate it has changed so like the importance that you put on that day is less mm-hmm. you know tantalizing so I, I agree I mean it should be a day where you're thankful that you're alive like every birthday you might not want to celebrate it but like be thankful about yeah. the fact that you have made it through another year. Truly. Also, just in vain with, you know, us talking about roots of Halloween and All Saints Day and All Souls Day. I mean, Christmas, the celebration of the birth of baby Jesus. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure why I found that funny. <laughs> sweet little baby Jesus in the manger. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Uh, is a christian cover-up for like pagan holidays like germanic druidic holidays during the winter because and i mean this has been you know done by theologians as well as historians if you look and kind of calculate however you do so from the bible jesus was born in like june or something yeah he's not born in december so like christmas trees if I recall correctly, are like a German tradition related more with like Krampus and St. Nicholas. Yeah, that actually makes so much more sense because like... Rather than Jesus and the manger and the nativity. If there is a God, I bet he sits there and rolls his eyes continuously. (laughs) So that'll be a really fun uh, kind of conversation to have Uh, I actually think for Christmas where we should do all the shit Christmas movies or review. I'm 100% there. But Elo, you should you know, start getting ready because it is Lord of the Rings season. It's uh, approaching. Yeah. <laughs> Any um, other kind of thoughts on this very loose conversation? Weird history, not history thing we had about Hallow's Eve and Tide and death and life and All Souls Day and All Saints Day, Dia de los Muertos and Jada. <laughs> and the Italian ones that I don't remember the names of. I don't have any more thoughts. All right. Thoughtless. Well, Ello, why don't you uh, start signing us off? So, if you want to listen to more, you can find us on Spotify, 
Apple Podcast or YouTube by typing Modern Medieval Podcast. You can also find us on social media where we are extensively there through our Instagram by typing podcast.modern.medieval on Facebook where we've got a page and a group. Uh, you just type Modern Medieval Podcast. Email if you want to contact us in a more traditional form typing modern.medieval.podcast.gmail.com and then the Twitter sphere. Yes, on Twitter we are under the handle at medieval underscore modern. And yeah, as always, comments, questions, concerns, images, movies, clips, songs, etc. Send them to us. We want them. We want your interaction. And we're getting close to, we're about 150 listens away from 1,000 total listens of all our episodes. Thank you so much. Which is an exciting landmark. Yeah. And also, just a little reminder, despite the fact that we've both moved, we still haven't done an episode together. So you've got that to look forward to when all of this shit is over. Yeah. Someday. Someday. Somehow. Sometime. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So, yeah, until next time, I'm Megan. And I'm Ello. And this is Modern Medieval, the podcast. Woo!